0: 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and, and as we kind of close out this chapter and close out the thought that we've had the last two weeks on a time, Paul has been setting this up the last uh, two or three weeks because he's about to do something that he doesn't want to do, but because of the false teachers that are going around, he chooses to, uh, to kind of come out in the flesh And begin to boast about the things that he has gone through and the things that he has done. And he says it down in verse 16 of chapter 11 I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may also boast a little bit. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you put yourselves up, uh, put, you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts you, if one strikes you to the face, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. but but in whatever, in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, but I am bold also. One of the pictures that Paul is wanting to, to present in the midst of boasting, is humility. Humility is a virtue of the Christian life. Humility is a gift of the Holy Spirit of God. To be humble first you must be a follower of Christ and you must be a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from God there is no humility. Apart from a relationship with God, there is no humility. When God goes, so does humility. When you take God out of a picture, you take out humility, you replace it with the second uh, uh, God in man's life, which is himself, which is an idol, and the root of all sin, which is pride. To get rid of pride, humble yourselves before God. Several years ago, it's been probably eight or or ten years ago, me and a friend of mine went fishing. And we decided to go to, uh, to Sardis Lake where we wanted to go and where, uh, where both of us kind of knew the lake, although the, my friend of mine was not a, uh, an, an, an avid fisherman, but he wanted to go. And I wanted him to go. I invited him to go. So we went out that day. It was an October day. Beautiful beautiful uh, uh, scenery. Everything was picture perfect. Uh, just like any other fisherman, whether you go fishing or you go to the woods, it's going to be the day. Because if it's not going to be the day and if you're not thinking about the day, then you're not going to go. But it was going to be a good day. So we get out there on the water and it's we started to catch some fish and we were excited about it. In fact, we were talking about the whole time about what we were doing and what we were not doing. And my partner who doesn't fish a lot says, is it always like this? I said, it's never been like this. I said, we're just going to enjoy the moment and catch some fish. Well, we had crossed about 22 or 23 fish. The limit back then was 20 fish per person. So a double limit is 40 fish. Now, I had never in my life called a double limit a fish with 40, uh, 40 fish. So as he was sitting there and my partner said, hey, we're going to catch 40 fish today. I said, I hope we do. I have never done that in my life. And as we got to the end of the day, we had 41 fish. So we thought. So we I said, we need to go back. I think we've got. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We, we thought we had 40 fish. That was our limit. So We stopped. I said, now we need to count these before we get back to the boat ramp because uh, the the game one's probably going to be up there and it's real expensive to to have more fish than what the limit is. So we got the live well out and got our net out and we started tossing them into the net counting them. We had 41 fish. One of the hardest things to do in life (laughs) is to catch a legal fish and have to throw it back. So we're sitting there and we were talking to the fish saying, which one of y'all want to go back home? Which one of y'all want to go back? And we had to take measures. No, we, we, uh, so we picked one of them out and uh, that's what grace is all about. And we set him d- back down into the water and we get back to the boat. Right? I'm driving the boat and I'm thinking, man, thank you, Lord, for a beautiful day. It's just a great day, Lord. It was just a, one day I've never experienced it in my life. We get to the boat, right? load the boat and started putting the fish in the cooler. And we're counting them. I mean, if you catch many fish like that you're going to count them you're going to count them 15 times because you want it just that's just a just a perfect day we counted them we had 39 fish (laughs) and we counted them again we had 39 fish man my friend talk about that even till today i texted him this morning i said i'm going to tell our story about humility and our statement to each other was, God has a way of keeping us humble. And I said, but if we wasn't bragging. I said, that fish fell out between the time we counted first to the time we got to the boat ramp. But I remember that story so often that even in the midst of success, that there needs to be humility. And, and God has a way of doing that in so many different times in our life. Here in this passage, Paul is wanting to be humble, even in the midst of boasting. Even in the midst of sharing some things that God is doing in his own life. The true measure of a person's humility is the ability to boast when necessary and yet remain humble. It's easy to be humble in failure. It's hard to be humble. Success. it's hard to be humble in the midst of great success. So the the scriptures, verse 16 and following, 16 through 21, Paul is being sarcastic. There's some sarcasm here, and I want you to see that. He says, again, I say that no one think me a fool. If anyone at least receive me as a fool, that I may boast a little bit. He says what I speak. He said, this is not according to the Lord. He said, the Lord would never do this. I don't want to do it. He says, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many, are boasting, he says, I will, too. He says, you put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are wise. He said, you listen to boasting from all these false teachers. And and since since you're wise, then I'm going to do it. He's being sarcastic with the church there because they are totally immature. Verse 21, it says, I'll come back to verse 20. Verse 21 says to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly that I am bold also. Number one, the reason why he boasted was because of the spiritual immaturity of the church. Paul chose not to boast unless he absolutely had to. And he's doing it here because of the immaturity of the church. The boasting is from the false teachers and from the false preachers and leaders of the day has spread throughout the church. That Paul is on the verge of losing this church at the hands of false teaching. He says, I'm going to have to do something. So he begins to boast and begins to share. Now look at what he says in verse 20. He says, for you put up with it. If one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. He gives four or five instances of what this false Group, these false leaders are doing. He says some of, you, or some of them are taking you into bondage. The the sin of legalism saying that you have to do this and you have to do that. He says you're being taken into that. You're being brought into bondage by the legalism of false teachers. It was prevalent during the days of the early church. It's even prevalent today. There are leaders that say, you know what? You've got to dress a certain way to go to the house of God. Or you've got to have a certain translation of the Bible for it to be a re- Bible and you go on and on and on. See the 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 legalism that continues to spread throughout humanity today, and it will continue to spread until the Lord Jesus comes back and takes care of all of that. He says, if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, the word devour devour means they were eaten up. They took advantage of the privilege of receiving financial support. The Bible also says, if one takes from you, that word take is like a bird being caught in a trap or a fish being caught on a hook. Paul says, you've been taken, you've been caught. It says, if one exalts himself, they exalted themselves. The false teachers are not the Lord Jesus. And then if one strikes you, not necessarily physical violence, but a verbal attack. These false teachers did not love the church. They took advantage of the church. And the reason why Paul is about to boast is because of the spiritual immaturity that is spread throughout the church. Verse 21 says, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. Paul is being sarcastic once again. He says, we're not strong enough to take from you. We was not smart enough to devour you. We was not smart enough to eat you up or to, to slap you in the face. We weren't smart enough to do all of that. Shame on me, basically, is what he says. And then he gets into verse 22, and here's where he begins to boast. Number one, because of the spiritual immaturity of the church. Number two, because of his spiritual heritage. He says, are they Hebrews? Paul says, so am I. Are they Israelites? Paul says, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Paul had the same spiritual heritage as these false leaders. He had the ethnic identity. He was a Hebrew. During this time, there were Hebrew. There were those that spoke Hebrew. Those that spoke Aramaic. Those were real full-blooded Jews during the day. And they were to be separated from the Hellenist, which was the Greek-speaking Jews, those that had come in from, from other parts of the country, other parts of the world. But these were Hebrews. Paul says, I was a full-blooded Hebrew. I spoke Aramaic. I spoke Latin. I spoke Hebrew. I spoke Greek. Even though Paul spoke Greek many times, he was still a full-blooded Jew. He says, are they Hebrews? I'm the same way. He had the religious identity. He says, are they Israelites? So am I. I am a full-blooded Israel. Like Paul says in Philippians 3 verses 4 through 6. You can go back and read this at your own leisure. But listen to what it says. It says, although I may have confidence in the flesh... If anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, i more so I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Paul had every every accolade when it came to religious life. And then he was also identified through the covenant. He says, are they of the seed of Abraham? He says, so am I. He was heir to all of the privileges of the covenant and the blessings that God had promised Abraham. So Paul, Paul boasts in his spiritual heritage. He said, you believe these guys? I've got the same heritage as they do. Even though they say I'm not a real Hebrew because I may speak Greek, I'm a full-blooded Hebrew. Even though they may say I'm not a real Israelite because I'm not of the father of Abraham. He says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I am a full-blooded Israelite. And I'm also of the seed of Abraham. But then he says a third one. This is where I want us to close this morning. 23 and following. He says not only because of the spiritual immaturity. He does. He boasts not only because of his spiritual heritage, but he begins to boast because of his service for Christ. Now, if. If you or I had to. Prove our relationship with Christ. Would you not tell of the strengths that you have? Would you not stand and say, well, this is how many verses I can quote in the Bible. This is how many times I'm at church during the week or during the month or during the year. This is how many times I've shared my faith. D.A. Carson says it like this. He says, Paul's detractors might have expected Paul to say something like this as he begins to boast. I have established more churches Than anybody. I've preached the gospel in more lands. To more ethnic groups. I've traveled more miles. I've won more converts to Christ. I've written more books. I've raised more money. I've dominated more councils. I've walked with God more fervently. Seen more visions. I've commanded the greatest crowds. And performed the most spectacular miracles. Now all of that is true in Paul's life. Every bit of that. Yet he chose not to focus on his strengths. When he says, I'm about to boast. And he's been doing this for two chapters now. He instead begins to boast in his weaknesses. He says in verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? Are they servants of Christ? Paul says, I speak as a fool. I am more. He says, and labors more abundant. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Now I want you to read in verse 24 and following. These are the parts of the Bible we often forget. These are the parts that we sometimes don't remember and we, 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 we forget that these, this text is, and this is the greatest church planner, the greatest missionary who's ever lived. Verse 24 from the Jews, five. Times i received 40 stripes minus one. According to Scripture, according to Hebrew, Old Testament Scripture, the most times that you can whip a person is 39 times. We learn that not only through the Old Testament, but our Lord Jesus Christ was also whipped 39 times before he went to the cross. Paul says five times. I was laid over a piece of stone or a piece of wood. And they took that cat of nine tails and whipped my back. A hundred and ninety five times. Now, one strike can kill a person. But he says five times I've done that. You may not understand that, but he never wrote about that in Acts. You won't read that in the book of Acts. You'll read about some other things. But this was true in Paul's life. The Bible goes on in verse 30, verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods A rod was the Roman, the Gentile form of persecution, of beaten, of beating three times. He says, I was beaten with 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 the rod. Acts 16, 22 and 23 talks about being beaten with rods in Philippi. We know the story where Paul and Silas were sitting in prison. And praising the Lord and the walls began to shake and the jail was opened up and the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And that's where Paul says in 1631, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Did you understand that before they got put in the prison, that they were stripped naked and, and beaten and beaten with rods almost to death? So they're not sitting in a choir loft saying, Lord Jesus, hallelujah to the name of the Lord. They're probably on their face. About to die, praising the name of Jesus. The gates are opened. They're still hurt, trying to escape death, and yet they lead someone to the Lord. Paul begins to boast. Three times I was beaten with rods, he says, one time I was stoned. Acts 14, verse 19, Paul was stoned at Lystra. He was left for dead. If it were not for the sovereign grace of God and the the inefficient work of a Jewish mob, he would have died there. But he says, one time I was stoned. He says, three times I was shipwrecked. Acts 27 talks about one instance where he uh, was shipwrecked so far from land that he just floated in the sea some 24 hours. He says, once I was shipwrecked a night and a day, I've been in the deep. Verse 26, and journeys often. Struggles or perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles and perils of the city and perils of the wilderness and perils of the sea. All of those everywhere he went, there was a struggle. But I want you to see this in the last part of Verse 26. The last phrase there uh, is in perils among false brethren. You can't see that in English, but if you look at this in the original language, the emphasis is on that last phrase. What carries this text is not the waters or the robbers or the countrymen or the Gentiles or the wilderness or the sea, but it's the false brethren. What hurt Paul the most Was not the physical uh, beatings and stonings and stripes. What hurt Paul the most was the emotion of seeing a church fall into immaturity. Paul says in perils of the false brethren, he says in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and in nakedness beside the other things. Here's the key verse out of this whole chapter. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. Paul boasts. Because not only of the spiritual immaturity of the church, not only was of because of his heritage, but because of his service for Christ. Paul, the greatest missionary who's lived, yeah. escaped death some 12 times. If you begin to read this scripture. That's why you'll see people on TV or people who are not on TV, but behind pulpits who preach some type of prosperity theology. Ask them what do they do when they preach 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22 and following. How would you preach that today? Because Paul is the model for every Christian. Paul modeled Christ. In fact, Paul says, as you follow Christ, follow me. I want to point you to Christ. He was not a super apostle. There are no super apostles, but Paul was a model for every Christian out there. Escaping death some 12 times. Verse 29. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I don't burn with indignation. The word indignation means to be entrapped into sin. And he says, I don't burn. He's asking that as a question. If I boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. I will boast in my weaknesses. There's a text in the Bible... That says that in all of my infirmities and in all of my weaknesses, I would rather boast in my weaknesses so that he may be strong. You know where that's at in the Bible? That's next week's sermon. That's in chapter 12. And as we begin to see that text in the real context of Scripture, Paul writes about his weaknesses. And boasting about what God is doing in his life, the God, verse thirty-one of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, He says He knows that I'm not lying; I'm telling the truth. And then He closes with a personal testimony. He says, "In Damascus, the governor, under Artis, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me." He says, I was let down in a blanket, excuse me, let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and I escaped from his hands. It was Damascus where the apostle Paul, it was Damascus where Saul was desiring to go in Acts chapter 9. And on that road to Damascus, Paul was saved. Saul was saved. His name was later changed to Paul. Paul was going to persecute Christians. Paul viewed Damascus and that story and the closing there of Acts chapter 11 as a paradigm for his life where God's strength would be perfected in weaknesses. As he goes to this Damascus, this place where he wants to persecute and to kill Christians, he he begins to escape for his life. God's strength would be perfected in his weaknesses. So Paul begins to boast. He boasts because of the spiritual immaturity of the church. He boasts because of the strength that is in his own life. He boasts in those service acts that he begins to share. And he boasts in his heritage, in his spiritual heritage. Can you today, can you prove your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you prove your walk with Christ today? Can you boast in what you are doing for the Lord? Because in reality, it's not really what you are doing for the Lord, but it's what you are sacrificing for the Lord. For Paul, it was nearly his own life. And later on, it would be. If all you had was to boast in your sacrifices and being a servant of the king, would you have anything to say? If all you had to boast, was in your sacrifices for Jesus. And your service to him. Would you have anything to say? Let's pray. Father. I ask today. God as you have spoken to our hearts. That you would humble us. Humble us before the cross. Humble us before the throne. May we through the example of. The apostle Paul. Paul. Know that we, at times, you may put us in places where we need to boast. Because of the false teachers that are around. Paul would agree, Lord, and the scripture says, when we boast, that we boast in the Lord. God, there are times where we may need to stand and share who we are in Christ, our heritage. We may not be a Hebrew, we may not be an Israelite, we may not be the seed of Abraham. But we know who our Savior is and his name is Jesus. And I pray, Lord, we'll never get tired of boasting in the name of Jesus. And God, as all those false teachers, never understood what Paul was having to go through. Every synagogue he went to and every new city meant that he was to lay down and to take 39 lashes or to be stoned or other form of persecution. Yet he got up every single time because the gospel was greater than physical ailments. Father, through our weaknesses, I pray, God, that you would strengthen us. I pray, Lord, if there is somebody that is here today, Lord, that does not have that personal relationship with Christ, may they look at the example of Paul. Beaten nearly to death. Yet still saying the name Jesus. Lord, you are the way, the truth and the life. No man can be saved through you. So if one needs to be saved, I pray they would come. God, there may be other decisions that somebody desires to make—to join the church or to be baptized, to rededicate their life, repent of sin, come to the altar and just pray. Lord, I pray that we'd be um, understanding of what Your Spirit is saying to us today. In Jesus' name, I want us to.